soul, hashtaba agala, as soon as possible, v'nomar, and we say, Amen. In this week's Parsha, in this week's Torah portion, Truma, God tells Moses, tell the Israelite people to bring me gifts. You shall take gifts for me from every person whose heart so moves him. And you shall offer gold, silver, and brass, blue, purple, and crimson yarn, fine linen, goat's hair, etc. And let the people make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. That phrase particularly catches the eye. Kol ish asher idvenu libo. Literally every person whose heart makes them willing to give and help to build the tabernacle. Well, so much of the Torah is obligatory. It's mandated by Jewish law. You don't have a choice from observing Shabbat to not eating pork. This act in Exodus is voluntary. Only those who were moved, only those whose hearts called to them, contributed to the most sacred space in Jewish life and in the community at the time. And the Jewish commentators from the Talmud and the medieval era debate how something so important to the community as where they prayed, where they offered sacrifices, where they came to communicate with God, would be optional. Tithing is not optional in the Torah. Tzedakah, giving alms, is not optional in the Torah. Supporting the poor and the vulnerable, the orphan and the widow, none of these things are choices in Torah. But this is. So from Rashi to Rashbam, the medieval commentators go back to the text, and ultimately, as they often do, they come up with a slightly more strict reading. They argue that everyone had to give silver, specifically a half shekel coin per person, to support the construction of the temple, like a building tax. But anything above and beyond that, from special yarn to fabric and textiles, different precious stones and metals, those were voluntary. Those were goodwill contributions to further add beauty to the space and to make it their own. So the underlying question from this week's Torah portion is what is optional and what is required in Jewish life? Why should the community mandate that we do? What should the community mandate what we do? And what should it hope that we just do out of our own sense of obligation or responsibility? What is required and what is more optional? The Israelites wanted everyone to bring items to make the Mishkan, to make the tabernacle beautiful, a place that would feel valued, that would feel sacred. But God tells Moses that it should only be genuine gifts rather than obligatory tithes or sacrifices that make the space sacred. So it's a bit of a leap, but I, I, as I was studying this week's Torah portion, the the same question came to me about a much more recent issue that we've been discussing in our community. It may just be the circles that I increasingly find myself in, 
But the issue of families choosing whether or not to vaccinate their children seems very present in the public dialogue right now, particularly since the recent outbreak of measles at Disneyland two months ago. There are now 119 confirmed cases of measles just in the state of California. And a disease that 10 years ago we said was eradicated, we said had disappeared, that we had successfully vanquished, has now come back and is threatening the lives of the children in our state. California schools require that students are vaccinated for MMR and other vaccines for mumps, measles, and rubella. But there's a loophole that has suddenly become very public. Parents can request a personal belief exemption, a PBE is what I've learned as the, the speak, a personal belief exemption if they feel that their beliefs conflict with vaccinating their children. About 2.5% of San Francisco parents have asked for an exemption. About 7.5% of Marin parents have asked for an exemption just in the public school system. Our tradition has a built-in system for addressing new technologies as they evolve. It's called responsa, or in Hebrew, chuvot. Literally, it means answers, because it started as an exchange of letters. A Jewish community, and, and I'm talking about as early as the Talmud, so 1,500 plus years ago, would have a legal question that they didn't know the answer to, something that they didn't feel like was obvious or was in the Torah or the rabbinic law. So they would write to a rabbinic authority asking for a response. Sometimes they would actually write to multiple rabbinic authorities looking for the answer that they were hoping to receive. But, but when it's really working, you're supposed to choose a rabbinic authority, someone that you trust, someone who's usually far away. You send them a note, you ask the question, and then they write back to you with the Jewish legal answer. If you read responsible literature, it spans the centuries, covering questions of polygamy, redeeming the captives from capture, like from pirates who kidnapped them, driving the first cars at the turn of the century, and more. Any new question that arises from technology or from the natural changes in society. And in the reform movement, we actually have a responsa committee. Today, you could write a note to the responsa committee online and ask them any question that you feel like you haven't yet found the answer to in Jewish law, and they'll write you back an answer. So interestingly, I looked back to try to see when is the reform movement asked some of these same questions about vaccines. And in the 1990s, there was a congregation in Michigan and a congregation in Georgia who both wrote in asking the same question within the same year. They explained that their religious school had developed a policy that children who had not received standard immunizations would not be admitted to the religious school. And a group of parents had really challenged the policy objecting to what they felt were the risks of vaccines, and they had left the synagogue in protest because their children couldn't attend the religious school. So both congregations wrote to the responsa committee asking, is excluding these children from religious school justifiable in Jewish tradition? 
And the responsa committee wrote the following. The Jewish tradition has sought to do everything possible to cure those who are ill and to prevent disease. There is a long honored history of Jewish physicians from Asaf in the early Middle Ages to modern times, which has demonstrated that some of our best minds have devoted themselves to medicine. Among them were Moses Maimonides and a host of others who were also great Jewish scholars. Even in the 20th century, a large number of Jews have been particularly involved with seeking ways of immunizing in order to prevent disease. Salk and Sabin being the most famous who discovered the polio vaccine, and they were both Jews. Jewish tradition would define immunization as part of the mitzvah of the commandment of healing and recognize it as a required measure. Since we are not entitled to endanger ourselves or the children from whom we are responsible by refusing proven medical treatment. Moreover, immunization is a matter of social, ethic, as social ethics and responsibility. So long as exemptions to vaccination requirements are granted to those individuals to whom vaccines pose a particular medical risk, neither Jewish tradition nor our own reform understanding of that tradition would object to compulsory immunization. Therefore, a congregation is entitled, should it so choose, to adopt a rule that requires immunization of students before their admission to religious school. So ultimately, the committee wrote back and said, you are totally justified under Jewish law. And more importantly, they really answered the bigger question, which is, is it a Jewish obligation to vaccinate your children? And their answer is, overwhelmingly, yes. But more interestingly, they, they contextualize it with a, a sense of history of how Jews have interacted with medicine and our sense of trust, our implicit sense that medicine is a positive force in society and that most medical professionals are to be trusted. I tried to look to see what the more mainstream Orthodox community has said on this. And interestingly, this week, the Orthodox Union, which is a kind of mainstream, the Rabbinic Council of America, the two of them came out with a joint statement saying, halachic obligations, Jewish law, to care for one's health as well as to take measures to prevent harm and illness to others. And Jewish law defers to medical experts in determining and prescribing appropriate medical responses to illness and prevention. The group concluded that the vaccination of children is the only responsible course of action, and they encouraged all of the day schools, all of the orthodox educational institutions to encourage their families, if they haven't already, to vaccinate their children. When I, when I was a child during the summer, I can remember running my fingers up and down my father's upper arms because he had funny indentations all up and down his arms. And I don't think I understood then until I was older that he had had smallpox as a child growing up in Budapest. He had not been vaccinated. Even though my dad's in, in his, I think he would be safe. I'm safe to say this, he's in his early 60s. And he, but, but they didn't offer smallpox at his school in Hungary. And he missed months of school being incredibly sick. And it's something that really impacted him as a young child. 
And I've been thinking about that lately because in so many ways, this conversation about immunizations is hypothetical for so many families. We think polio is something that happened to FDR. We think that measles and we, we can't even really conceive of them. But these past two months have made it more of a reality. A congregant who's a pediatrician recently admitted to me that he has been studying photos online because he has never seen a case of measles in his life. And he's not sure he'd be able to recognize it clinically upon first seeing it. So all of these contemporary Jewish responses, this mechanism in our tradition for answering modern questions with ancient and modern principles in our tradition, bring us back to our Torah portion, Truma, and the building of the tabernacle, the distinction between a mandate and a request, between giving because you have to or giving because your heart moves you to. The reality is that there's very little that reform rabbis tell their congregants they have to do. We value personal choice, particularly younger rabbis, in our spiritual lives. And ultimately, I cannot speak for every family or every belief system. But from the Jewish perspective, there is no ambivalence. There's not the usual gray or vague answers. Our tradition tells us unequivocally to vaccinate our children for the good of our families and for our society. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. <laughs> Fair enough. There's no, there's no anthem that really meets that theme. Well, with, with that, we will rise for the Aleinu, which is on page 200 and 282. Please rise as we open the ark. to the Kadisha Tom, to the Mourner's Kaddish, which is on page 294. On this Shabbat, we are remembering those who have passed away in the last 30 days in Shloshim, Lillian Miller, 
Rochelle Wyman, Inga Lehman, David Pesson, James B. Frankel, Margie Segan, Nancy Glicksberg-White, Al Rocky Rosen, and Zenovi Rosen. We also remember the yard site, the anniversary of the following's passing. Henry Appel, Saul A. Biedner, Otto J. Beck, Ernest Banesh, Joseph Blumenthal, Marianne Busina, Francis Cohen, Lloyd W. Dinkelspiel Jr., Robert Edelman, Gerald Moshe Friedberger, Marvin Eisendrath, Robert J. Gans, Aryeh Gertner, Jeanette Gilbert, Joseph Golba, Audrey Goldberg, Rhoda Haas Goldman, Leslie Gross, Efim Guzik, Rose Harlow, Jean J. Hartman, Lily Hecht, Barbara Heller, Isaiah Warren Hellman, Mervyn Hertzberg, Harry Holtz, Betty Israelson, Philia Khan, Francis Cantrow, Julius Kirshner, Beatrice Kirschenbaum, Harry Cohn Jr., Janina Lauterbach, J. Peter Mark, Francis Harriet Mason, Michael Montezzi, Teresa Leipzig Mendel, Harriet Mitchell, Lawrence Nestel, Phyllis Nides, Yoav Pantelot, Helen Louise Pearl, Max Plisner, Joe Romaine, Lynn Romberg, Albert I. Rosen, Marjorie Rudy, Morris Joseph Rudman, William Rushikoff, Margaret Russell, Herbert Shire, Alan Schur, Bernard Schimmel, Judith Schneider, Isaac Shagalov, Sadie R. Smith, Andrew Stone, Elias Ochoa Suarez, Edward Tate, Nathan Torbati, Anna Mercedes Toro, Helen Weisberg, Israel Willenitz, Theodore L. Wolf, and Beth Wynn. If there are other names that you'd like to add that you're saying Kaddish for, that you're remembering on the Shabbat, please share them as I look throughout the sanctuary. We rise as a community in mourning and in support of those who are mourning as we recite the mourner's Kaddish. Yit gadal v'yit kadash shemei rabah b'alma divrach hirotei v'yamlich malchutei b'chayechon uv'yomechon uv'chaye docho beit Yisrael b'agala v'izman kari v'imru amen. Yehe Shemei Rabbah Mivorach Le'alam Ulalme Almaya Yit Barach Vishtabach Vit Paar Vit Romam Vit Nase Vit Hadar Vit Ale Vit Halal Shemed Kudesha Berichu Le'ela Minko Birchata Vishirata Tushbachata Venechemata 
Damiran bialma v'imru amen. Yehesh lama raba min shemaya. V'hayim alenu v'al kol Yisrael v'imru amen. Ose shalom b'mromav. Hu ya'ase shalom. Alenu v'al kol Yisrael v'imru amen. Zichronam livracha. May their memories be for a blessing. We also take a moment to think of those who were the victims of the violence in Denmark this past week. And we pray for the safety, really the safety of everyone everywhere, but particularly the safety of Jews who feel vulnerable in Europe, who want to be able to enter their Jewish institutions with a sense of security and with a sense of sanctuary, with a sense that they have their mikdash, they have their mishkan, they have their tabernacle, their place to build holiness and be in holy community. And so we sing Ose Shalom together. Ose Shalom Bimroma. Feudum come back. So as we invite Sophie to lead the Kiddush, we would love some, I think, our do of challah. Amazing. We are also going to say, Motsi, I just want to call your attention to our Shabbat handout. We have lots of, lots of interesting programs and opportunities to learn and celebrate. I will just highlight that Purim is around the corner. We are having a Purim pageant, a talent show on the first night of Purim, um, the first night of Purim, on the night of Purim on March 4th, um, which is a Wednesday, and then we're also going to have a huge young adult party at a club Saturday nights and Sunday morning, our annual kids carnival um, here at the temple. Um, please, just one last thing, make sure to bring your okay. prayer books with you wow. to the back of the sanctuary. Not yet, but after we say motzi, so our maintenance staff doesn't have to. 
And also, just want to say, if there's anybody who wants to perform in our talent show, our first ever Congregation <laughs> Emmanuel talent show, um, we still do have a few spots left, not many, actually. So, but if you're interested in performing, please let me know after the service. <laughs> talented congregational president. So please come into the center so that everyone can touch someone who's touching the challah. I also want to welcome our introduction to Judaism students who are joining us tonight. And uh, I will see you for Shabbat dinner, I think in the library following services. But it's good to see all of you. Motsi lechem in haaretz Oh, sir, shalom bimroma Oye, shalom aleinu Ve'yarko Yisrael Ve'yemru Yasa 